Good morning. I'm so excited to be here again with you all. I was last here in the spring at some point. My name is Hope Jernigan. I'm the executive director of Magdalene St. Louis. As a reminder, Magdalene is a residential community for women who are survivors of addiction, sexual exploitation, whether it was sex trafficking or prostitution. They're also survivors of multiple abuses throughout their lifetime. And we offer a place for them to live and to live in community for two years. And I'm especially excited today to be with you all because we are celebrating a new partnership between Magdalene and Holy Communion. Holy Communion has had a house that you all have done hard work in discerning what to do with this house. And Mike approached me several months ago and said, we've got this house and we want to offer it in some way in partnership with Magdalene maybe for graduates of your program. And he said, it's probably going to be ready at the end of September. And I said, that's exactly when our first graduate is graduating our program. And it's this beautiful thing that keeps happening at Magdalene where people and groups and things show up right when we need them. And so I'm just beyond excited. And when I told the women in the community about this partnership, I said, there's going to be this house where you can go after you graduate, where you're on your own, but you're still being held close by a community, and a community that's built on love. Um, there were tears of joy shed by the women. And again, it's just a really exciting time to be in relationship with you all. And there's really just no better passage in scripture to celebrate this partnership than one that has to deal with pointing out each other's sins. Um, thank you, Mike, for having me come this Sunday when we're talking about confronting each other, what it looks like when someone sins against you and how you're supposed to call them out on it. Um, this is, conflict is a part of who we are. Conflict is a part of being human. It's part of being in relationship with one another. We hurt each other. We make each other angry. We mess up. We sin. And we often have to deal with the consequences of that, and often we don't deal particularly well with it. We build walls, we try to run away from conflict. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not one who's about to say, oh yeah, I love confronting people when they mess up. It's not something we do well because it's scary. We have things at risk. We risk being vulnerable, we risk the relationship, we risk maybe losing someone. So instead we protect ourselves, we maybe try to be perfect so that nobody can ever point out something that we've done, or we run from conflict. But even, even if we were to run far away from relationship, and if we were maybe on some mountain all alone, we would still end up having to be confronted by ourselves. So dealing with confrontation, it's absolutely a part of our work. And it's a part of our work as a Christian community. It's a part of our work of just being humans. And in the scripture you hear today, Jesus basically has a prescription for how you're supposed to deal with it when someone sins against you. It's like a step-by-step -step process. It's like a wiki how. Like, step one, go to the person and tell them that they've wronged you. And if that doesn't work, step two, take some friends with you and go to the person and tell them that they've wronged you. And if that doesn't work, step three, get the whole church involved so the church can bear witness. And if that doesn't work, let it go and walk away. Now, how many of you follow this process when someone has wronged you? 
When someone has wronged you, do you first just go right to them and say, hey, you, you messed up, you hurt my feelings, you made me angry. I'm going to work it out with you. And then maybe you bring some friends along and somehow make it look like you're not ganging up on them. I don't know how that works. And then, if that doesn't work, you call the church office, right? And you say, hey, Mike, I've got a problem with someone. Can we get the whole church involved? I don't think that the church office would really appreciate that phone call. <laughs> um, no, that's not how we do it, is it? We instead do all kinds of things besides just directly confronting someone. Let me give you an example, a hypothetical. Let's say that you forget your sister's birthday. And let's say that your sister sends you an angry text message. This is hypothetical. <laughs> and let's say that your first step is to get your mom on the phone and to say, Mom, can you believe that she's so angry that I forgot her birthday? And meanwhile, your sister's getting your mom on the phone. saying, like, Mom, can you believe that she forgot my birthday? And then it's this like big family drama. And instead of just a simple, like, whoops, I'm sorry, my bad, I bet you're angry, and you have every right to be. That's, again, hypothetical. Um, but that's what we do. We, we run from conflict. We run from addressing our issues with people. We, we run from calling people on their stuff. And we run from being called on, too. So why does Jesus say that this is the way to address it? That this is the way, if someone sins against you, this is what you're supposed to do. It is not to put blame on that person. It is not to shame them. It's not to say you are bad for what you've done and we're all here to tell you about it. Instead, it's about the opportunity to bring someone back into the fold. Everybody sins. Everybody messes up. And what we can do is we basically have two choices. We can cast them out and say they no longer are a part of us, or we can work and work and work until we find a way to bring them back in. And that's the community that Jesus is trying to build in this gospel. And Jesus says, bring the church, but the word church wasn't really used then in the way it is now. They weren't talking about a building with a parish hall and a sanctuary. He was talking about a community. He was talking about actual people. And so what he was trying to get people to understand is that when we make mistakes and when we fall short, the best thing to do is to bring them back into the fold, to love them back into community. So that's why we address conflict. That's why we struggle together until we see it through to the other side, to reconciliation. It's because we're wanting to always grow the circle and not shrink it. The women of Magdalene know this better than most, I think. A typical woman who comes to Magdalene is someone who has likely been on the streets since she was 13 or 14 years old. Someone who likely experienced physical or sexual abuse in her own home since she was a little girl. Someone who's been using drugs to cope since early in her teenage years. It's someone who has learned early on that no one is on your side. Trust nobody. Enter into a relationship with nobody. When things get hard, run. So then they come to Magdalene, and they are showered with love. They walk in the door, and everybody is there to give them a big hug and to say, welcome home, and to say, we love you. Everybody does this. The sisters in the program are so excited when a new sister comes in. Um, 
and they're a little overwhelmed by the love of the place. The staff talk about how much they love all the women, even if they're brand new, even if they think they have nothing about them that's worth loving. And they get the sense that they're loved, but inevitably conflict comes up in the house because it does. How many of you have ever lived with eight other women? or eight other people, or with one other person, there's conflict, right? There's different ways of doing the dishes. There's different um, methods to, how you're going to put the toilet paper on the thing? Like, people have very strong opinions about that, right? Or, you know, the laundry gets piled up on the dryer for weeks and weeks at a time, hypothetically speaking. So there's conflict. We deal with conflict because we're human, and that's, that's true at Magdalene, too. Love is not just this happy thing, but it's a love that's also born in struggle. And so when a new woman, who's been a part of the community for just a little while, when someone points out something and says, you've got to fix this, their first instinct is, to, is fight or flight, because they're not used to this idea that you can work it out and see it through to the end. So they, they either run away from it or really fight it. But over time, they learn that one of the greatest strengths of the community is how willing everyone is to sit together and work through a struggle until they see the end. To sit in the struggle together, because there is always struggle. And you learn over time how to be in it how to be told that you've messed up, how to tell someone that they've messed up. Scary stuff. But they take it quite literally. They talk about sitting at the table until it's worked out. And I was with the women, um, some of the residents who work at Bravely now, and we were at a house party on Friday night sharing with a group um, the work we do at Bravely and selling some Bravely items. And some of the women were telling this group at the party about how much conflict resolution is a part of the work they do at Magdalene. And they were saying, you know, they really, like, we really do sit at the table until it's all worked out. Like, they make you sit there. Like, you can't go to the bathroom. You can't go out to smoke a cigarette. Like, you have to sit there until you work it through. The point of that is to always bring them back into the circle. The point is to never shut someone out. And that's what love looks like. We talk a lot about love at Magdalene. Love is brave. Love heals. We love every sister who comes in. But like I said earlier, it's not necessarily just the love in the happy moments. It's love that's born in that struggle. It's love when you're saying to a woman, I believe that we can work through this together. I believe that we're going to make it to the other side of this and be able to move forward together. It's love that helps them trust that they are worthy of that struggle that they're not going to be sent out this time. That's Jesus' point, too. To always bring someone back to the circle, and to not just bring them back, but to grow it through this practice. And what's done at Magdalene isn't just about the women at Magdalene. This practice of forgiveness, of non-judgment, of reconciliation, of struggle of bringing ourselves back around over and over again. Yes, they need to practice those skills because for most of them, it's the first time they've had the opportunity to do so in their lives. But don't we all need these skills? Don't we all need to work on reconciliation, on sitting in the struggle together, on being comfortable with being called out on your stuff? 
I can't think of a more important time in our city, in our country, in our world, to be able to sit and struggle together, to see each other through to the other side. I really believe that this isn't just life-changing stuff for Magdalene. This is world-changing stuff that they're doing. And it's not just about the women in the house, but it's the way that we take these practices and these relationships into the world, and one relationship at a time, we can change it until the whole world is practicing living in the struggle together and loving each other through to the other side. It's world-changing stuff. And one by one, we're changing the community around us too. Today, I'm especially proud and happy to be doing it with you all. Amen.